Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is back. Monday edition from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. NFL and college football discussion throughout the next three hours as we get you through your work day and on your way home. The entire crew is here. Plenty to discuss today. Quarterback performances and more from the NFL preseason week. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. Later, we'll discuss the Mississippi State Bulldogs at length, and we will also dive into more of our NFL previews and takeaways. And we start with the headlines. Brady is back with the Bucks. Um... Mayfield is named a starter in Carolina, and Oregon and the Big Ten are talking. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Well, the real headline is that Tom Brady got cut from the Mass Singer, apparently, so now he's allowed to come back to training camp. No, the uh, finale was filmed on Saturday, <clears throat> so he might have won the whole thing, if, well, if, in fact, that crazy rumor turns out to come to fruition. From what I've read, the season finale was filmed on Saturday. Well, there was a report yesterday from Aaron Wilson um, that said he was not filming the mass singer he was spending time with Giselle and his family um, that was from pro football network uh, the, the story that was published from Aaron Wilson who was with the Houston Chronicle and then Baltimore right it was in Baltimore um, before the Houston and then Houston Chronicle league sources indicated that Brady's time away from the team included a trip to the Bahamas at an exclusive resort and primarily for family time with his wife Giselle his commitment to family and having a personal life was at the heart of his hiatus and there was no medical emergency as speculated or other reasons. As important as football is to Brady, so is his family, and the Buccaneers have given him time and space to be with them. Bowles emphasized that Brady not being with the team was planned and communicated. A league source said that Brady was definitely not expected to retire again and would fulfill his commitments to his coaches and teammates. Again, that from Aaron Wilson of the Pro Football Network, and he's back today. Uh, practicing with the Bucks and the not retiring again fits in fits in with the Bruce Arians uh, comments during during the broadcast of the Bucks preseason game, right? Yeah, he's back and he's back with um, with a more depleted offensive line. Aaron Stinney goes down, tears his ACL and his MCL in Saturday's game here in Nashville against the Titans. Of course, he's already without his starting center Ryan Jensen, and they've lost some other players either due to retirement or free agency over the offseason. So it is a piecemealed offensive line for Brady and the Bucks as they get prepared for the regular season opener against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that's the more pressing concern for Tampa now that Brady is back. But you're right. Yeah, Bruce Arians, who was around all week last week here in Nashville, went on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers television broadcast in the booth, was asked about Brady, said he's coming back, said it was planned said it was no big deal, and I'm paraphrasing here. It was no, there was no need to hit a panic button based on what Arians was saying. But it, it goes back to... like Their this, mismanagement. This falls in line with like um, Traylon Burks this offseason. If he has asthma, then say it two weeks before you actually say it so we're not speculating what's going on for 14 days. 
Uh, the 11-day absence, Brady will speak at some point and will be asked about this. But if it's no big deal and it's planned, I don't know why Todd Bowles went to the podium here in Nashville last week yeah, and said was... he wasn't sure on the date when his quarterback was returning. If, in fact, it was going like to be Monday have... in Tampa. Were you not sure like because you didn't have your calendar open on your phone and you didn't remember the date? Like that, he really hurt himself there. It was I weird. Thought. And then the well, next the day, whole, the whole next day, he had to circle back and say he was certain. It's right. It's awesome. We had Logan Ryan on the show on Friday, which was news and kind of jokingly. You know, Hutton was asked, "So, so Brady's not going to retire, right?" You can say that, and he said, "I can't tell you anything. I don't know what's going on." He would not confirm that he wasn't retiring or wasn't considering it. Just yeah, in that fact, I mean, I, we, we've been told what you guys were told. We were just told before. Todd yeah. Bowles went in front of the media, which I'm thinking, it's such an odd. It, it's it's like they wanted people to speculate for whatever reason, where this is such a non-story. If in fact Aaron Wilson's report is true, right? That why don't you just get out in front of it and say that? Yeah, I mean, I think we all came to accept. I came to ex- accept it was something more complicated that we wouldn't find out about. Aaron Wilson's good, dogged reporter. I don't have any reason to doubt what he said, and if that's true, I'm in complete agreement. Why not just? kind of say that in some framework say that then let him face the question when he gets back he'll talk this week as Hutton said let him say that but you created this vacuum that then is going to be filled by people speculating I, I get the sense there was only five or six people within the Bucks organization that knew exactly where he was and three of them are owners yeah you know like but you didn't need to say anything about exact just give the general yeah. gist of, of yeah. what Aaron Wilson said exactly the way it was, the way it came across was almost like it was sudden, you know, like secret, super secret, Uh, you know, going back to our conversation with Logan Ryan, you know, and he, he gave an answer discussing the wide receivers and Julio. And he was like, we got, we have a good set of receivers here, fun to cover in practice, Julio, but also Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. And he named something, he goes, you know, Brady throws a really good ball and he's going to, they're going to be solid in the, in the regular season. And then I followed up and said, up, he said, Brady's going to be throwing the pass. He goes, no, I didn't say that. And the way he came across, it was almost like Logan wasn't really sure what was going on, even though he knew that Brady was returning. He didn't know when. And last week, Todd Bowles didn't know when. He told the media that, and he knew that the national media would be clamoring for any type of detail with it. That's what makes it so bizarre, when in the end, it's not that big of a deal. It's 11 days. Uh, It's called a hiatus, but if it's planned, it was a planned... uh, week off more or less where you have the joint practice against the dolphins he returns to tampa for one day i believe and then he had two, the two days two and then he had the the week off which totaled 11 days because it included the weekend where the players have days off built into that and they had the preseason game where brady wasn't going to play anyway after missing the joint practices so if in fact it was planned i don't know why you just don't Lay it out there. You don't have to say where he is, what he's doing. Just say he's spending time with his family. This was worked in whenever he decided to come back after a 40-day retirement. And then Arian speaks more authoritatively than Bowles, which doesn't make me feel great about the the hierarchical organization. That's a very uncomfortable association right now with Arian so close to everything and talking about these things publicly. Not not only that, it's just the optics of it. Um, He should have a no-media role. To me, perception is reality a bit here like he's standing behind the huddle he's not in the huddle with the players Arians I'm speaking of at practice I'm just observing what he's doing like a GM like he said yeah well and I was going to tie that in I see him walking around the press box and into the cafeteria at Nissan Stadium with the general manager Jason Light uh, multiple times an hour before kickoff 
So he's sitting, he's clearly sitting with him, right? And like, there's no big deal in that. There's no harm in that. But he's still a big part of the organization. He's more than just an advisor. Listen, you know, like the, the advisors, you can send in your thoughts. He's, yeah. he's clearly involved in the day-to-day operation. When you succeed somebody in any line of work, um, the guy leaving needs to, to give space and let the new guy run the show for a while. It doesn't feel like that with Arians. Like he's, there's not enough distance there. Go, you have to go away for a while and then come back. You know what I mean? In any business, I've, I've seen it, you know, happen with people in my family. When, when you're out, the, the thing to do is to step away. So even if he's there, like formally, you don't want to make it feel in any way like you're standing over the guy's shoulder. He wasn't physically standing over the guy's shoulder, but to be in practice the way you saw and to be speaking on the story of the day during the broadcast when the head coach was unclear Exactly. That is not a good look at all. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Arians, it's not like he was fired. He was not asked to step down by the public account, I'm saying. Um, and I, I, there's no indication that, that was the case. He formally retired, handed things over to Todd Bowles because he wanted Bowles to have the opportunity to win immediately based on his statement. And that's why he took a back seat. So it, it, it's different than being dismissed and then sticking around in some advisory role. But still, you know, that's when if, if they go on a two-game losing streak, it, it, I'm, and I'm, that's a low number, people are going to be asking what Arian's up to because it was better a year ago. Especially if the offense uh, falters, you know, yeah. because, oh, because that's his easy thing. It's such an easy step to in, too, and be the hero-type yeah. role. He's right there around the organization every day. He's at practice. He knows all the players. He knows what's going on. Fans are going to clamor for that. I don't and know, I'm though. sure there's a part of Bruce Arians if things don't go great for Todd Bowles that would be thinking in the back of his head, yeah, I'll do a better job. I can step in and get this done. The one reason I don't think fans will clamor, I mean, I think uh, to the degree that we expect, is because everybody knows that Tom doesn't want him there. And, yeah. and if the Bucks lose two games in a row and the offense looks crappy, they have a certain allowance that other teams don't have because it's Tom Brady. And I think smart fans are going to say, well, Tom has what he wants here. Tom will be fine not looking for a coaching solution the way you would with a team with a, you know, virtually any other quarterback besides him and Rodgers, let's say. Um, the, I'm going to butcher his name. and I sh- Hang on. Before I butcher his name. Paul, your, your thoughts on Tampa's offensive line with Aaron Stinney going down. Was it the third or fourth quarter? Right? It was yeah, second, second half. half. Uh, he's carted I mean, it, off. It's, it's not a very good group. Um, you know, but I think I don't know how many offensive lines are deep enough to play into the second half of a preseason game. Uh, certainly the Titans aren't the other side of this game. Their quarterback had, had no chance. So, um, you know, their depth is a big question. And I would think they'd be looking at the waiver wire, uh, coming, coming up. Um, teams are getting down to 80, I think tomorrow. And, um, I didn't realize it was three waves of cuts again, but when they get down to 53, I would think Tampa Bay would be looking for some some help along the offensive line, just depth-wise at least. Hey, one other thing about that game. Uh, that's the worst preseason game I can recall oh, watching in a long time. I'm sure there's been worse. I don't want to fall victim to the moment and recency bias, but I can't recall sitting through four quarters watching a preseason game that was any more dreadful than what the Titans and the Bucks put out on the field Lot on Saturday of night. Incomplete passes in the first half, which meant it was slow as could be also. When Malik Willis is seven for seventeen and ten balls are hitting the ground, the clock is stopping over and over and it just becomes interminable.
So the the Bucks offensive line, they're in shambles right now. They so they they have guard uh, Ali Marpet and and guard Alex Kappa. They left in the offseason. Ryan Jensen went down with a knee injury. He's done for the season. He's on injured reserve. Uh, Aaron Stinney, one of their guards, their right guard. He's not a particularly good player. No, he was trying to work his way into a starting role. He went down with a torn ACL and MCL, carted off the field to the point where even Vrabel went out on the field to uh, take in and, and figure out and send good wishes to his former player that he coached here in Nashville. But the player I wanted to point out is uh, Luke Gedeke. That's G-O-E-D-E-K-E. Luke Gedeke. He started, he's a rookie, started at left guard. He was awful. Awful. So not only are they replacing their center, their veteran center, with a potential rookie, they're now replacing uh, Stenny, who was starting on the offensive line to begin camp. They're replacing two players who left the offensive line from last year, and now their rookie at left guard is coming off a horrific performance against the Titans' defensive front. There are more issues than Brady taking an 11-day vacation. And while at times in New England, they were able to, to piece things together because Brady was that good, this is, this is quite the storyline to follow as they try to figure out how to put this offensive line together with one more game to go. They're playing against the Colts in their final preseason game. He can play through some of this. I mean, he obviously gets rid of the ball as quickly as anybody when, when he wants to, when he needs to. He also uh, threw uh, it 720 times right. last year. But what's the effect on the run game also, you got to think of. They, they need to be able to run the game. His best Patriots yeah. teams ran the ball well. Fournette was central uh, in, in the practices with yeah. what was going on with the Titans in terms of the uh, back and forth between Keyshawn the two Vaughn teams. Keyshawn was pretty good the other night. And, and so what, what are these guys going to be able to do in the, blo- in the, in the run game, I think, is a, is a question we you. need to, to, to take into account yeah, as well. They, they need to run it better, and that was one of our keys last week whenever we were discussing the, the Bucks' uh, preseason outlook for the regular season. Again, they open up against Dallas uh, in prime time. So we'll Luke, Luke Gittiki, by the way, surprised me. Second round pick, 57th overall out of Central Michigan. Yeah, started he, his career at Wisconsin, Stevens Point. They penciled him in as the starter. And, man, he was awful. It's funny. It could be just one game deal. But um, in, in the Titans, I, I doubt schemed him up. But it was a one-on-one situation where it was not pretty. Their team depth chart online, they still have Jensen at center. I, I can understand not having removed Stenny yet from left guard, but Jensen is is there at center in front of Hainsey. Um, so the the depth chart keepers don't want to come to terms with reality there. How about uh, Gronk getting some information out uh, this weekend at UFC 278? So they did a watch along with the Gronks at UFC 278 on ESPN Plus. Uh, it was a Manning cast. Rob right? Gronkowski and his family is produced by by Omaha Productions, and. Uh, they had Dana White on during the prelims. And I, I watched the post-fight press conference with Dana. He was not happy that Gronk brought this up. In fact, he apologized to uh, Mark Davis. And he's, he hesitated to even answer the question post, uh, post-fight again because this is going to be replayed all over the place. He's like, I don't know why he, he brought it up. I felt like I had to answer based on the fact that we want to have that vibe. He's like, so I mentioned it, and I apologize to Davis because this is going to be a story. He's like, I own a suite. I own a big box at uh, Allegiant uh, Field, Allegiant Stadium. Uh, He's like, yeah, that's true. Brady and Gronk were going to be there, and John Gruden at the last minute pulled the contract offer. 
and he went on to Tampa and won a Super Bowl. I'd that, want that to was know more. I, I, I'm left, I imagine, like you guys are, wanting to know I more about why Gruden story pulled now. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I, I want, and you would have thought Gruden had all the power there, right? So who would well, have initiated so, it? Let, you would have thought Gruden would have initiated it. Yeah. now, because all we can Let's do is fill in the blanks with speculation. Gruden had all the power there. <clears throat> Does he have all the power if Tom Brady's the quarterback? Not as much. Not the, not the offense. So I think that probably is a big part of it. Gruden wanted to continue having the power. And he probably got cold feet because he knew, hey, we bring in Tom Brady, my authority goes down. But we think he started it and finished it, right? I, I would think he's the guy that got this in motion in the first place. Then maybe you use the term well, cold feet, which is good. But I don't think Mark Davis is starting this over over the head of his coach that he signed up for $10 million a year. It also gives us the answer to who Tom Brady was talking yeah. about was they wanted to go with that bleep bleep over me. It's Derek Carr and the Raiders. Yeah. Here's the That's quote the answer from to the John question. Gruden when asked about his team's interest in Tom Brady. This is from March of 2020. Quote, we love our quarterback. Our quarterback is a really good player, Derek Carr. I want to reiterate that to everyone in Vegas. We've got a good young quarterback, and the film, the stats, and analytics prove it. That from John Gruden when asked about whether or not the Raiders were interested in Brady. To which that answer is, the, a, not answering the question. An and he could honestly give that answer if he, in fact, decided to pull the plug on Brady and went with Derek Carr. Well, but also, he also didn't answer the question about their level of interest. Just that, hey, I want to take this opportunity to tell you how good that? our quarterback is. March of 2020. Okay, so probably after the contract's over, free agency is opened and he's... Available. It happened very quickly there, though, too. So that would have been in a, in a slim window where he could actually say something about Tom Brady. Between his expiring contract from New England and his signing with Tampa Bay, which, in my recollection, took two, three days because the Titans signed Tannehill like the, yeah. the, the open window Monday of things starting Tuesday. Yep. yep. Um, but, man, Dana, Dana White, UFC president, he was like, yeah, and so Brady uh, Brady went on to Tampa and won a Super Bowl. <laughs> like a Raiders, sounded like an angry Raiders fan. Yeah, and so he, but he's like, yeah. I love, the, Gronk, I love the... He's like, Gronk's right. I don't know why he wanted the story out there tonight, but Gronk is correct. Like, Gronk they were, is delivered. They were coming to Vegas. Gronk delivered I to love that the, uh, cast. The, the historical review of Dana White. So for those that don't know the story, he went to Tampa and they won a Super Bowl. <laughs> That's another one of the Super Bowls that Tom Brady won uh, over the course the of an illustrious career. And also, I want to fill you guys in that the Raiders have not won a Super Bowl in, the, in those two seasons since he's been in Tampa. That's Weird great. story. I also, like, I want to know more on how, how Dana White was recruiting him. Yeah. Because Why would you Gronk, need Dana Gronk White? made it clear that they were, like, Dana was facilitating it in the well, conversation. I would think this you'd need him great, on the Gronk end. This is a great promo for the Gronk cast, or the Gronks, I think yeah. they called it, with the, 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 the side commentary during the, the UFC event. That's the first thing I thought was, what is this? When I went and saw the clip of it, didn't even know that it existed. And then I'm thinking, okay, now I want to tune into the next one of these because who knows what other big stories might drop no, I if think he's going to talk about Dana this Dana White should be grateful that this came up. It, it expanded it to a whole other audience. But I also understand, I mean, if it's, your, if, if it's one of your good friends, yeah, he's buddies he's the owner with, of the Raiders, it's and, like, and Brady. man. He's buddies with Brady, too. Yeah. Imagine one of us going on some show and someone bringing something up that, we told them years ago as a funny story, and it's like, hey, Paul, tell that story about <laughs> well, this guy, your friend, and how they lost out on this chance for this. It's like, okay, well, I guess regard, we're going there. Though, I think it's Gronk's story to tell, too, right? I mean, he was being courted. It's not sure. like Dana told him this 
and then he burned him by revealing it. It's both of their stories. So Gronk but was telling his story. But it doesn't make Gronk look bad. Right. It makes Dana White's buddies look bad. Well, he, he that's provided. Why, that's why it's worse. He on provided him than the Gronk. detail. He was balling the tee, and and Dana's going to answer any question. But even like post post fight, he was asked. He's like, "Hey, it's not a it's not UFC related, but I'm wondering if you could expand on on the story that everyone's talking about." on social media that you, you recruited Brady and Gronk to, to Vegas. And he like, he paused for like five seconds. He's like, I really don't want to answer this, but Gronk brought it up. So here's the story. And he well, just, he goes through it. Why would Tom Brady need to be recruited by Dana White when it's a, you know, I mean, Tom Brady, we know is a pretty football centric guy. I, I would think his primary concerns there would have been Gruden and, and yeah. Davis and at the time Mayock so did you see where Mark Davis has commented on this? No, what did he say? He, someone with the Las Vegas Review Journal reached out, and he said, sorry, it's one of, it's one of these stories, just pop, but it's one of the stories where the ads keep popping yeah. in, I keep having to lose my spot. He said, yeah, I heard about those comments from Dana White. That was, what, two to three years ago or something? <laughs> I don't know, man. Talk to Dana. Davis told the Las Vegas Review Journal, I remember that Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. That's basically what I remember. Everybody remembers that. These guys keep correcting our memories if we forgot where Brady went. He says, I have no idea. He went on to say, I have no idea. Dana has all the stories. I love Dana. He is a great, great promoter. Why would this make me upset? I was busy watching the Raiders beat Miami 15 to 13. <laughs> And the basketball game on Saturday. So he's, he's verified it without verifying it. Yeah, and what basketball game is he talking about? Probably the three-on-three. Um, the three. the big Could three? be WNBA. His he's, dad was a I big WNBA guy. He's invested in that with uh, Ice Cube. I've probably. been watching some big three, by the way, on Sundays. <laughs> I think it's on CBS randomly well, on Sundays. Your kids are giving you some peace. Man, I, uh, well, I just turn it on in the background. And uh, who's the guy that had all the mental health issues? Royce White. From Iowa State, remember he was like the number two overall pick by the Bulls, and was out of the league within four years. Real Sports did a piece on him, where he didn't want to fly, was part of it because he had a big fear of flying, and he had like a mental breakdown. Well, I saw him throw his uh, throw something, a mouthpiece at a at an official during the game oh. after a call, and then threw something in the stands. How'd that go? And they were like, "Well, <laughs> they announced like." Royce White's gonna need to watch it right here. They might do something. They've already teed him up once. <laughs> They're already doing something. Nancy Lieberman is a coach in the league. I think she's Royce White's coach. Anyway, they were uh, they were we really spend struggling. segments on the big three. They, well, they nearly had their final segment on the big three. They have some other investors coming in because they were money strapped this season. Well, so. it's pretty clear to me they just hand over tickets to people, and it's like, hey, you look like a nice family. Come sit right behind the bench at this game. I can't imagine uh, there being a demand for people to buy tickets to one of these games. TV product. Coming up, we'll discuss Baker Mayfield in Carolina. He's the QB1 officially from the team now. They're announcing that. Also, Kenny Pickett plays second to Mitchell Trubisky, but again, plays very well. Malik Willis will discuss his performance against the Bucs, and we'll go through quarterback performances of note from the weekend on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, 360 rolls on. I don't know why I randomly thought of this, Chad, but Mark Davis also owns a WNBA franchise. Mm. I have no idea if they are in the WNBA playoffs. It really doesn't Let's matter. Let's look it up. For I the case you. of this show, but that's the basketball oh, he's referring yeah. to. Yeah, so. big... Uh, Big WNBA guy. WNBA fever, catch it. Let's yeah. see if Mark Davis caught that fever and if his team was it the fever? Does he own? Doesn't their team called the fever? The Aces are the yeah. Las Vegas team. So he owns the Las Vegas Aces. Desmond uh, Ritter uh, will play tonight for the yep. Falcons, so we'll see the Falcons and the Jets on Monday Night Football. Um, it, we will not see Joe Flacco, uh, according to reports. Flacco will not play, get any reps with the Jets. Because there's a chance that we see him in week one playing for Zach Wilson and his injury. Confirm it. Yeah, good call, by the way. The Aces beat the Phoenix Mercury 117-80 to There you go. on Saturday Whoop. in round one of the WNBA playoffs. So, Mark, that's the basketball that's game Mark about. Davis was talking about. Big three, WNBA, similar interest level. Yeah. So, will you understand why you could confuse the two? Kenny Pickett plays behind Mitchell Trubisky, but again, and it's no fault to Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky has looked good the last two weeks. Pickett has been better the last two weeks, playing against backups. They will have their final preseason game coming up, the Steelers, against the Lions this week. Do you start Kenny Pickett this week to find out what he can do ones against ones? I don't know. How close are you to... uh, I I do. Um, but I, I don't know if they do because I think they uh, are probably going with Trubisky. And if they're going with – if they well, even if are, you are presuming they're going with Trubisky, then I think you lower the risk. Uh, and I know if you're going with Trubisky, further and further that if direction. If you're going with Trubisky, risk. announce it before he starts. Because if he starts and plays well, and you've got two weeks to second-guess yourself, you're, and you don't want to play the rookie – like the Steelers aren't known for second guessing themselves, though. But no. it, but Pickett has been very good. He was six of seven, limited action, two drives, but drove after a punt, drove on the second possession, went down and got a touchdown. So um, he he has performed well, and uh, he has stacked that with another great performance from the week prior. He played as the third quarterback that week. So I think it's twofold here. I want to see him uh, start and and go out there first, but. If you're leaving leaning Trubisky right now, I think it's great either way. You get a good look at him going out there first to see how it goes. And um, look, if if Trubisky's the plan to start, then like you said, Paul, then you, you're not risking your starting quarterback in this game as well. I, I think it's only a matter of time before Kenny Pickett's the starter. Yeah, I think we all And it's this season. I don't think it's a he's going to sit and learn behind Mitchell Trubisky for a year. I think Trubisky may start the season. Kenny Pickett may be starting before the end of September. Unless things go extraordinarily well for Trubisky. And, yeah. and, and then they step in it, right? And then Trubisky can, can redshirt effectively. Well, and, um, play they, I'm late sure they're the hoping that. You know, they hope they go up to a great start and Trubisky's sure. playing great. And then, then you have the luxury of allowing Kenny Pickett to watch and be the backup quarterback even longer, and you're having success. Dobbs played the second half of that game because he was – Good, he did. Yeah, good he played as well. well. A 14 of 20, 141 yards, led to points on all four of his possessions and had a big run. Was well, so Cleveland? For Dobbs? Yeah. Yeah, Joshua Dobbs is the backup quarterback yeah, in Cleveland. He's, he's yeah, he's Brissett's backup. I, I wrote that down incorrectly. Yeah, he um, 
he had an incredible. Mason Rudolph finished the game for the Steelers. He had an incredible run, Dobbs going to the Browns game. He was great. A highlight reel type type run. Dobbs is, but I, I'm still reading. Reading, I think Peter King today said they're still trying to find a better option at backup than Jacoby Brissett. So I'd like to see Josh Dobbs get a chance. Brissett goes down at, at any point for for Cleveland, but. We'll see. Dude's a gamer. He's been There's pretty no well-traveled for a guy at this stage, though, right? He's been in Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, now Cleveland, maybe one other spot. Well, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, back to Pittsburgh, Cleveland, I yeah. think has been his route Jacksonville in the NFL. signed him off the Steelers practice squad because they were short, and then he ends up back in Pittsburgh where he was familiar with the system. And now signs with, with Cleveland and that offensive system with a chance to, to latch on. And, hit, I mean – if he does, if he has another good performance, he can win the backup job. But they're still looking on the outside because it, I think it's also if if something happens to Brissett where you have a long term issue, right? Before you get to week eleven, you want to try to keep your head above water. I mean, I don't know what kind of alternate they're going to find that's uh, to to Brissett that's any good if it's not Garoppolo. Well, many many think Garoppolo is going to be cut because his contract becomes guaranteed September the tenth. Yeah, day. So, once he doesn't get cut the day before the opener, when they yes, when they he's on the roster twenty four hours the before the kickoff, his he could be cut because they don't want to lock in that twenty four million if they can't trade him. And teams know that. And it'd teams be crazy. Yeah, why would you trade for him right now, knowing yeah. that that he's going to have to be cut? Right. And well, you just sign well, the, him for scraps. The only way you trade for him now is if you are a, a, a bad franchise franchise trying to work your way up, and you do not want to compete. Um, on the open market with him for and another, still, with another team. And you'd still try to negotiate with the 49ers yeah. and, and and get permission to talk to Garoppolo to lower that number. Because also, I don't think anybody's taking on $24 million. This sounds weird because if you're bad, you're supposed to want to get better. And Jimmy Garoppolo could make some bad teams better. But if I'm a bad NFL team right now, I'm not in the market for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm in the market for a first a high first-round pick. Agree. Next year. Well, I, there, I don't, I don't know only... why you're putting that – I don't know why you're putting that small Band-Aid – on something where you need a tourniquet. No, but there's only if about one five of these teams. teams that right. consider themselves bad well, right Seattle, now. And I'm talking Houston. about those four or five teams that the teams that would obviously be an upgraded quarterback for Jimmy Garoppolo. There's not a ton of them across the league, but I think those four or five awful teams, again, you're putting a band-aid where a tourniquet should be applied. It's just I don't I don't understand that that's such a half measure that I wouldn't want to take at this point. Just going, go out and be bad this year. Going back to, to Pickett, just one note. Uh, uh, Trubisky could start the season. If things go south early, the time to start Pickett would be going into the Jets' week. They open up against Cincinnati on the road. So it's Steelers at Bengals week one. They turn around and play the Patriots in week two. And then they have a short week, a Thursday night football game against the Browns. So you have the, the short turnaround after week two going into week three on four days followed by a weekend plus uh, the the following week when they would take on the Jets. That would be a time to put the rookie in if you're looking for something other than the bye week that's already built into their roster, which is more past the midway point of the season. Malik Willis, uh, very up and down. And I am still surprised at how many people nationally, uh, locally, find this to be some great performance from Malik Willis in the preseason game uh, where there is no quarterback controversy. There is no quarterback competition unless we want to talk about the backup role uh, where Willis, to me, has grasped the backup role for this team. 
but it's far from anything that we would even put close to Kenny Pickett right now. And Kenny Pickett's a first-round pick. You can argue he should be playing like this, while Malik Willis is a third-rounder. But I'm, I'm looking around. I'm watching Good Morning Football and, and a few other programs this morning, and they're using Willis as an example of the rookies who are having, you know, uh, having teams consider how fast they're going to integrate these players into their rosters. I don't see it. It's great. I, I don't see it because he's 7 of 17, um, and while he is a dynamic player from his athleticism, there is a lot to be desired. Uh, although, to his credit... I saw improvement from the first game against Baltimore to this past weekend against the Bucks, where he actually stood in the pocket and delivered the football a couple of times. The best pass was the touchdown pass that he threw uh, to Chigaquanquo at the end of the first half. Had a couple of sidearm pl- passes and, and made some things happen on the move and, and had a nice throw to open the game, which was clearly designed to get him in rhythm. But uh, at least he acknowledged after the game that it is a balance between trying to find out when to bail out of the pocket and turn his back and when to step up and slide up in the pocket or side to side and wait on a route to develop. He's far from ready to start in the league. And I think people are just looking at the highlight reel of him instead of actually watching a preseason performance. He made three plays, I think, for the second week in a row. He shrugged out of a sack and made a good throw on on the move. Um, The sidearm throw? Yeah. Yeah. To, to Des Fitzpatrick. He had another, uh, he had a 24 yard run, which was a very nice run where he gained the edge with no effort whatsoever and looked like he wasn't even running hard. And the touchdown was an excellent throw, Chad, uh, Hut, where he read, I think he read three reads. Yeah, that, that was the, that was the most head. impressive play. But here's the, game. the thing on that play, he got the best protection he's ever going to get in his lifetime. He didn't have to decide to stay in the pocket because for one play, there was absolutely no pocket but, collapse whatsoever. He had four solid seconds. So he did what he needed to do. There's a good play, but he's not going to get many snaps like that. I thought Hutt, what he said after the game was far better than anything he did in the game, where he showed a real understanding of what the issue is for him right now, but that it's complicated and confusing right now, and he needs to sort out of it. And the one thing Mike Vrabel doesn't want to see it's one thing if he's escaping the pocket to the side or climbing the pocket. But this thing where he goes backwards, it does not work in the NFL. You cannot get out of trouble going out the back of the pocket. Mike Vrabel mentioned that that night. He mentioned it Sunday, yesterday afternoon when we were out there. You can't make anything work out of that. You're going to take a, a multiple-yard sack that really sets your team back. What we witnessed on Saturday night was the living embodiment of my column about bad backup quarterback play, play across the NFL in that 13-3 game. Uh, the Bucks were worse at backup quarterback. Kyle Trask, I don't know what's happened to him since he left Florida. Dan Mullen must be a miracle worker with quarterbacks because he was terrific at Florida. He looks lost. Now, granted, the Titans' defense and pass rush had a lot to do with that, and he had one really good throw in the game. But, Hutton, you're right on Malik Willis. He has been ineffective so far uh, this preseason. Very disappointing. And, and we did see glimpses of light at the end of the tunnel. The, the touchdown pass to Okonkwo being the first and foremost one. He showed the ability to run again with a long run down the sideline where he took off. That, that was a nice highlight. On the sidearm throw, watching it live, and you guys, I know, were there, I thought he was intending it for another receiver, and Fitzpatrick came in and caught it. There were two It looked guys like over he was there. going to the guy going up the field, and then a Titans receiver came out of nowhere. I'm sure he was intending it for the guy who caught it on it. That's just the way it looked on television. But overall, uh, very disappointing 
so far. Logan Woodside was exactly what you know he's been bad in the game. Yep. Through an interception, another one. Well, I mean, I will say about Willis. This is what it's a I bad expected. state of affairs. I'm not surprised by this. I, I thought this was probably what we were going to get out of a guy that played at Liberty. That, that went on his athleticism a ton, that was the best athlete on the field on a, on a regular basis. It's a huge adjustment, and it's a slow process, and this is about 2023. The people who have immediately cast it as this is a well, guy who could be Paul, on the field soon are, are Paul, being overly he, wishful. We're, need, we're talking about a guy who's been facing third and fourth and fifth string guys on defense. I agree. Still better, he's not though, facing than what he saw uh, he's not facing first-string defenses, and he's still bailing out of the pocket at first glance. Well, I agree. It's well, bad. here's and here's the thing, Paul. No one, at least on this, I show, didn't no, expect it against this. No one this is thinking caliber of defense. He's going to be a you know a player this year to make an impact on this Titans team in actual games. I'll tell you what I'm expecting: someone to beat the hell out of Logan Woodside and give him the opportunity to be the backup. Well, I think he's doing that this year. He is, but not. To the level I desire. I don't know if Woodside's I being graded be on no, what he's no doing. Because you mentioned Trask under pressure. If you're the, the quarterback finishing an NFL game now, it's pretty clear, I think, Hutt, that teams are deeper at pass rusher. There are more guys who can rush the passer than can stop the passer from being rushed at the bottom of NFL rosters in general. The depth of offensive line does not match the depth of you know, you can find guys who can get to the quarterback against scrubby offensive yeah, linemen. Right. And so Kyle Trask and Logan Woodside in the settings that they're playing don't have much of a chance to do anything. I think the Titans are basing their Logan Woodside opinion, right or wrong, on what they already know, not on what he's done the last two two weeks well, I trust, because he's been under a lot of I trust pressure. Logan Woodside less this preseason than I did last year. Well, I do no too. one was clamoring for Logan Woodside to be cut last year to bring in a better backup, and there were far better backups. Well, they brought in a bunch. He, he would come in and actually play. Yeah, they you brought know, he, in Matt Barkley, they yeah, brought in Trevor but, Simeon, and they brought in Deshaun But no Kaiser. one was clamoring that there was anybody better than Logan Woodside. And now you've got a guy who barely wants to pass the football, and he's better than Logan Woodside. I don't trust Logan Woodside as much as I did a year ago. And if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I, pl- I start Malik Willis. I tweeted this out. I start Malik Willis, and I play the entire game Saturday. If it's all about snaps and getting the guy looks and reps because you want him to run your offense, I play him the entire game and let Logan Woodside hold a clipboard. I mean, no one's picking I, I him up agree. if you cut him. Uh, you have six spots now on your practice squad to, to designate uh, for any vets, no matter the length of experience. You can protect four of them weekly. If you like him so much, cut him. There's no threat that any team is going to pick him up. And you sign him back to your practice squad and you protect him if he's that valuable to you if he's that good inside the quarterback room. And from there, you, you move forward with your rookie that you drafted in the third round that's shown the athleticism and the promise, but hasn't shown he's ready to start. And if you cut him, he's definitely oh, being claimed. Oh, he's not getting cut. I mean, there's no He's definitely getting claimed. That, that's the conversation to have between the two. You lose him if you cut one guy. The other guy is on your practice squad. Well, the potential is that they just keep three outright, which I think is still but I don't, something I don't that, know that why is you, alive. But why keep three if you can get one guy on your practice squad and protect him? Well, the, the, the way that, that – I'm not doubting what you're saying. I don't think he gets claimed either. But I think if you want to be super secure, you keep him on your roster the first week, then, then maybe you cut him. Or you cut him when you have injury issues that are clogging up your – an active list, which, which they hopefully aren't going to have on opening day based on none of these seem super serious. We don't know for sure. But um, you could play it safer longer like that, and maybe that's what they do. I think that's a, a possibility as well. That spot to me is way too valuable. Um, 
even if you're one of those guys is inactive, it's just it's way too valuable to have handy. Well, one of them's got to be inactive. No, I'm saying like if you're keeping three, I, even if the player that's a non-quarterback that I'm keeping over Logan Woodside is inactive, the spot is far more valuable. If you're keeping an extra safety because you're not sure on the depth yet, or if you're keeping an extra inside linebacker because they're horrible after the top three, and who knows what's happening with Monty Rice. He's still on PUP. Um, and if you want to keep an extra offensive lineman because you need an extra swing guy. Um, There's no need to keep Logan Woodside anymore if you're moving forward with with Malik Willis as the starter, as the backup, rather, to your starter and Ryan Tannehill, although neither guy is ready to step in for Ryan Tannehill. But one's worth developing and one we know about, which is why I would play Willis for the entire game Saturday against Arizona. Um, keep us uh, updated with your thoughts on Twitter at Outkick360. We'll continue our discussion. Matt Corral with his injury. Uh, there is another big problem for the Titans that uh, showed significance. Uh, I don't know if it was progress or, or uh, Lack of uh, progress. two steps back. I just think it's exactly the same as it was when we started camp, and that's a big problem. We'll discuss that next on Outkick360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're discussing the NFL preseason week two. Thank God we're a, a week closer to the regular season. Some abysmal performances, some dreadful second halves. <laughs> and now we're on to week three where we'll get into some of the other discussion about how to handle certain starters. Some teams are still looking for starters to step up and grab a job. One of those is right here in Nashville. Protecting Ryan Tannehill at the start of last season was an issue. And uh, it was a theme with how the, the offense progressed or lack thereof throughout the year. They are struggling to find a guy to take hold of the right tackle position. Dylan Radins and Nicholas Petit-Frere, who uh, is a rookie from Ohio State, are battling for the job. And while the, the rookie in Petit-Frere is, is, I think, closing the gap if he hasn't already, this, this is alarming because all offseason, Raidens is beginning the reps, guys. And, Paul, you've seen it firsthand on a daily basis. They're now beginning that transition to the bigger rookie, although it's Raidens who had the opportunity to claim the job for the second straight year. Well, they went to Petit Frere, uh, really, uh, second day of pads at, at camp. So he has gotten some some run there. Um, uh, look, he's, he's too inconsistent. He was a third-rounder for a reason. And so he's not stormed the castle, so to speak, though the opportunities there. Raiden's is, is just what we've thought he was. That doesn't seem to be a big difference in what he's doing. 
Um, he's, he's not that good. Sad thing is that both of them may be better than David Questenberry was last year. So while it's not nearly what it should be, it's not nearly what the Titans had with Jack Conklin before they let him go in a move that I didn't object to at the time, they just failed to replace him with a high-level right tackle. And clearly, again, you know, we haven't talked about this. Taylor Lewan's not getting any help over there. Shouldn't need any. Right. But, you know, he's, he's on an island at left tackle because whoever's playing at right tackle uh, is going to need help. And these two guys, you know, a lot of fans are hopeful that the Titans are going to go get a starting right tackle at cut time. I could see them adding depth. I can't see them plugging in week one, a guy who's not been here for all of this. You know, maybe week five if things continue to go badly. But this is a real trouble spot for this franchise right now. What's troubling is, you know, you've got, to me, Dylan Ray just going in reverse out of that starting position. And Petit Frere's not just grabbing the spot. I just want to see someone well, win, win the spot, like play their way into it, not play their way out of it, or win the starting job by default because you've got Dylan Radins like a truck throwing it into reverse and just backing his way out of any consideration for it. There, there are... There are times, believe it or not, where Dylan Radins looks like a starting right tackle. Yeah. Uh, on rundowns, uh, last week in the joint practices, I thought he was very aggressive on day one against the Bucks defense. And in, in passing downs, there are times where Dylan Radins looks like a starting right tackle. But when he's bad, it is abandoned ship. His bad, bad. snaps are really bad. And it, like quarterbacks getting crushed bad. Malik Willis should have been sacked. His athleticism, great example of what he did well. His athleticism allowed him to step up in the pocket and deliver a pass past the uh, rush end who got past Dylan Radins within a split second. And it, Radins just turned around and looked like, you know, I'm blinded by the, by the speed of this third stringer or whoever he was with. It, it is, um, it's an issue. You made a string and of bad decisions. It looks like position. a pitcher getting whiplash after a home run hit off of And they're now two weeks away, two and a half weeks away, whatever it is. September 11th is here before we know it, where they'll be facing Aziz Ojolari and probably Kayvon Thibodeau, who's out with a knee injury, but it doesn't seem to be serious. More headlines from the preseason next on Outkick 360.